Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Roundtable. Coming to you from Beijing, I'm He Young. Good to have you along. What is a retailer brand? In case you didn't notice, we're seeing a global rise of retailer brands, otherwise known as white label brands. And how do retailer brands revamp their originally humble reputation is what we're going to talk about. And there are some challenges, obviously, when mom and dad could be breathing down your neck whilst you making some business decisions. We discuss the phenomenon of starting a business with parents. For today's program, I'm joined by Huang Shen and Ding Hong in the studio. First on today's show, a retailer brand product, otherwise called a white label brand, is having a moment right now at home and abroad. In the U.S., once rejected as a poor man's version of name brand products, Retailer or store brands are now enjoying a certain level of cachet. The profits and savings that they offer are the real thing. In China, e-commerce platforms have turned out their own version of retailer brand products, which are usually cheaper than name brands, and the quality is earning recognition too. So let's take a look at this rise of retailer brands in China first. According to a news report by International Business Daily, published on February the tenth, there have been more retailer brands in the Chinese market during the past year.、Uh, nearly ninety percent of those brands are recognized and welcomed by customers. The report predicted. That the development of retailer brands could even surpass national recognized name brands.、Uh, apparently, retailers are offering more diversified options, such as Fresh Hema, a grocery e-commerce firm, Ding Dong, or Sam's Club. They have all offered more categories of their own brand goods for customers.、Uh, for example, pre-cooked. Food, healthcare products, and daily necessities and apparels. These are some examples of the so-called retailer brands. So we are seeing more and more、uh, products with the retailer brand or a white label brand are entering the market and welcomed by customers. All right. Well, that's the most important thing, right? Well, Ding Hong,、um, could you help us understand what exactly we're talking about here? Because a retailer brand that is just field specific Lexus is jargon for an average consumer who doesn't watch industry reports. We're kind of like, what you talking about? Yeah, I think、uh, that's something we. Uh, uh, at least myself have rarely heard about this、uh, dragon, but in reality, I think uh, most uh, the majority of our customers of our consumers have encountered、uh, on day-to-day basis. Basically, a retailer on-brand product generally refers to products which are produced by a specific manufacturer. Uh, to be then branded and labeled for a retailer to sell, so it is sometimes referred, as you suggested earlier, it is sometimes referred to as private labels. With typical examples being some generic grocery items simply labeled with the grocery retailer's branding. And over time,、uh, these brands have become increasingly sophisticated.、Uh, in, in the first place, they are largely associated with low price, cheap price, and low quality. But over time, they will become、um, increasingly sophisticated. And sometimes,、um, people, I guess, we have two sub. Concepts here. One is called private label brand,、mm-hmm. and other is called white label brands.、Mm-hmm. Uh, some people、uh, may 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 are often confused with each other. But、mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah, basically, private brands is a goods that is manufactured for and sold on under the name of a specific retailer. It is.、Um, Kind of、uh, served as an exclusive in one retailer. For example,、uh, this product is is manufactured only to be sold in Walmart. That's one example.、Mm-hmm. While white label brand is a generic product which is sold to basically multiple retailers. I guess、mm-hmm. uh, the retailers have limited rights and privileges to alter these products, but they can repackage these. Products under their own label. So if you see products in a market which are very similar 
yet branded uh, in in different manners.、Mm-hmm. I guess these are examples of white label products. Right, and let me just offer one slight footnote of.、Uh, What this could be.、Um, basically, I think it's important to remember that, or to understand that, the white label brand chronologically happened first. So therefore, you know, it makes sense, I suppose, for a whole bunch of supermarkets. Well, that happened in the U.S. or these online e-commerce ginormous platforms here in China now, to think that well, we want to sell our own goods and have our own collection and label as such, and、uh, and therefore, like you know, they commission the special. Line of goods, and then、um, because originally, you know, there were all these different kinds of retailers commissioning this thing, and it originally was thought as being very cheap, and、um, branding wasn't really a big issue, and therefore you get this white label kind of thing. In in theory, it's like anybody can press their own、uh, label on it on this white piece of. Label kind of thing.、Oh, did I just say that again? So、yeah. this white white piece of space that you can plaster your own brand name on. So that was the original concept. And then as time moved on, and then it's like, well, you know, let's revamp this idea. Let's make it private label. It sounds so much better. And what's really interesting in the last few years, ever since the pandemic became a thing, was that gradually this. Um, this cheap idea and this idea that shoppers used to shy away from in a lot of, let's say, the in in like Walmart or Whole Foods, you know, these American、uh, retailers, gradually. They、uh, this this idea this concept has been picked up by people again, and it's now even consider a little bit of coolness to it.、Um, So, so that's the really interesting thing that you can revamp the reputation of a particular type of goods or this this brand name or this concept, and and that's the thing that I'm really interested to know more about. And here in China, we are seeing something of a similar story happening, but it's not the traditional, or it's not so much the traditional. Brick and mortar supermarkets in China, though, that are doing this. Instead, we're seeing these online、mm. e-commerce giants who have、um, who have capitalized on this idea, and it's a it's a a period of. Educate,、uh, educating your customers as well, so that they can start to accept this oh private label of selection of goods, even if it's rolled out by e-commerce giant, that kind of thing. So, Huangshen, what do you see as you know the interesting sort of business、uh, school cases that could be provided here?、Uh, a big advantage of retailer brand is. The price for sure, because if let's say a supermarket it has an exclusive deal with a manufacturer, then the average transportation expenses might be lower than usual, and the company could benefit from、uh, distributional economies of scale. Due to this lower transportation costs and manufacturing costs, the retailer could sell the product for less and still reap a bigger profit margin. This is good for the retailer.、Uh, what's more, if the retailer has established a pretty good reputation, then when you are developing your own white label brand, you do not need to invest in advertising campaigns or packaging stuff. Because you know people are buying such products not because how much you invest in the、uh, marketing or the promotion events. It's more about they are trusting your brand and they are trying to buy things from the brand you have established.、Uh, usually, such products their designs are very basic and their packaging. Is quite cheap, so you can save the costs in this regard, and you have to provide. Products with decent quality.、Uh, this is something that has changed a lot over time. And uh, um, you know, in the past, maybe when we are talking about retailer brands or such white label brands, when you are trying the products、uh, attached with such brands, maybe the quality is not as good 
as a famous brand in this category、mm-hmm. because how you can be competitive as a well emerging brand, then you have to offer a better deal, a better value, as well as a cheaper price. So now I think、uh, there are some domestic retailers. They are trying to establish their own white label brands with the products. Are as good or even better than those products、um, attached to such、uh, long-established and famous traditional brands in this particular category. They would like to create、uh, better and high-end shopping scenarios for more people.、Mm-hmm. And when you can provide really great、um, white-label products with amazing quality, then it's also an advertisement. For your own retailing brand, because you will attract more customers to shop, no matter in your physical store or your online store.、Uh, you can also diversify your shopping scenarios by introducing a great collection of white label products. That's so interesting, and there are a few points in what you just said there, Huang Shen. I find to be a little bit. Uh, in conflict with each other. For example, you see that there are name brands out there. Let's say we're buying shoes today. <laughs> It's always buying shoes for Huayang.、Um, okay, so then there are the name brands, and you know that their whole business is devoted to creating shoes every season, churning out new products to attract customers. And then, how does your generic Okay, that's、mm-hmm. not really a really good word here. But originally, you know, these idea that the retailer brand started with generic products. But anyhow, so how do you compete with those established brands, right? But、yeah. the business story now says that yes, these retailer brands have successfully won the competition from time to time、uh, when they're placed sort of in competition with. That name brand of producing this particular good. So, how do they do that? Yeah, I think. <laughs>、um, yeah, that's a very interesting、um, observation. I think、um, uh, in terms of how they doing it,、um, because they're cheap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cheap probably. Yeah, you you cited this example regarding shoes. Maybe shoes is not, not a not... great example.、Huh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I don't oh, wait, think... what about biscuits then? Biscuits I, I or remember... bread or yeah. butter, like yeah, yeah, beverage, yeah. food,、mm-hmm. this kind of thing.、Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Uh, to me, as a individual customer, I don't really care about brands <laughs> that much. So,、uh-huh. to me, if say I'm, if you 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 ask me to choose between a established, a well established brand, a commercial brand, and a、uh, white brand sold by a, a well established retailer,、mm-hmm. I think both are fine to me. Right, and I think、uh, it's really the. Uh, fundamentally, I think it's it's really the profit margin or the temptation of higher profit margin that、yeah. is prompting these retailers to to go in this particular direction. In that, if you if you just focus focus on the sales of these established commercial brands, then probably probably the majority of the profits will go to these brands eventually. Mm-hmm. But if you can establish your own brand,、uh, your your own white white label brand, then probably more profits will go to the retailer. So、yeah. fundamentally, that's the thing. Yeah,、mm-hmm. Re- regarding shoes, I don't think. Yeah, so the, <laughs> yeah, maybe the name cachet, also the specific design of、uh, that sh- the, the the shoes, it might matter a bit more in in that sense. Yeah, and also, does this have something to do with that? The most possibly the e-commerce giants in this country have somehow established a very favorable brand image, because we're seeing it's the it, at least in the Chinese side of the story, it's the e-commerce giants that are getting involved with the retailer brand building, and therefore. If they're not selling the brand of the particular biscuit, they're selling them themselves.、Mm. Like in that case, then it's you know Huma, JD dot com, you know all these e-commerce platforms. They're selling their own name 
while churning out all these everyday goods that people have a whole bunch of choices out there. But I'm wondering if this has a lot to do with sort of like name recognition and brand affiliation towards these, they're all now household names to Chinese customers and therefore they can benefit like more from their not only the ecosystem that they've created where we shop as well as their own name recognition and not giving even that little piece of the pie to mm. other manufacturers and sellers out there. Yeah, I agree. I think that's indeed what uh, eventually turned out to be a win-win situation for these uh, less uh, famous manufacturers mm -hmm. and these retailers. I think it, it, it could really turn out to be a win-win situation. I think in many cases, retailers do research, uh, develop, then market test, and specify products before contracting out the production element to a third party, namely a, a third party manufacturer. Uh, so I think uh, definitely there is going to be disadvantages as well. Mm -hmm. For example, a retailer can really end up losing big if it makes a poor choice regarding what products to uh, to 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 private brand, right? Mm -hmm. Some some branded merchandise can be returned to a distributor or a manufacturer, but many private brand goods cannot be and could directly wind up in clearance or as in that inventory. So that's so that so I think uh, when we talk about this particular kind of a uh, business model, it really requires a lot of um, research and wisdom and decision making on the parts of the retailers. The retailers is really the key player here. Mm. And this is a great opportunity for such big uh, retailers to reinforce their brand image because you have to figure out what is the strength of your brand and how you can promote your brand story through the mm. marketing as well as by rolling out a new collection of products, uh, trying to diversify the categories of products you can offer in your store. Uh, I think there are so many successful examples if you say uh, for an e-commerce fresh produce uh company or platform their setting point is about i would like to sell fresh ingredients and then if you can add uh, some uh, white labeled uh, semi-finished products as well as the pre-cooked dishes so this is a way to play with your strength and we know that there's a japanese uh, uh, this is a Japanese brand, and that brand is famous for its minimalist lifestyle uh, in terms of the home decor or all kinds of uh, products, to, no matter the clothes or the essence oil or even the scented candles. So they're trying to sell that minimalism uh, as the story of their brand. So if you can play with your strengths and trying to figure out what you would like to use uh, what you want your customers to know about your brand story or the philosophy of your brand, I think this could be a great way to materialize that vision because if you can nail this, well, marketing strategy, then very likely you can create a sense of loyalty to your customers. And uh, sometimes uh, this could be more profitable than just uh, do more uh marketing campaigns. Mm -hmm. I think it's a great way for, you know, the big retailers to do so. However, I think earlier Ding Heng has mentioned there are some risks, of course. And also, Heiang, you raised a really good point. Like, it is also this so-called maybe winning formula or this, wow, very promising business mm -hmm. model can be applied to the well, the designer labels, I think it's pretty hard because yeah. when it comes to the very creative process, it's very hard to replicate the success story of other established brands because sometimes, uh, well, based on the development now, the most scenarios we are seeing for such white label brands, usually they are doing the copycatting 
behavior.、Yeah. So usually you can tell they're using very similar packaging among brands.、Uh, so this is what we call you know copycatting, and which can be illegal in some cases. So especially for those big supermarkets, if you are looking at one product that is trying to compete with another product in the same category, usually they would imitate or get some inspiration from the design of the packaging of the well-known. Products, so it's very hard to be creative in this regard. Maybe we are still at the initial stage when it becoming more and more mature.、Mm-hmm. Maybe they will put more thought into the design, research, and development. Yeah,、um, I was looking at some numbers in China and also in the U.S., and it was、um, truly fascinating to sort of see how generic. Uh, white label slash store brands became popular in the U.S. again in recent years, and one thing、uh, which screamed loudest is it's cheaper. And I think in a way, it's actually a really promising story because we've heard. For some businesses,、um, they've done this or that, or something happened in the market, and therefore they managed to cut cost. And supposedly, if the company has saved up, ha- have saved some money in that sense, then one would expect, or one would wish, that that boon could go to the customer as well. But unfortunately, a lot of the times, the companies would still charge you a pretty high price, and you know all that you know extra margin. Well, guess who's pocketing that? The the company, or you know, goes to the shareholders or whatnot. So it doesn't always benefit the customer. Until this story with the store brands in the U.S., apparently the savings are passed to the customer. On average, store brands cost. Thirty percent less、um, for the customer,、um, especially if you compare with the the, the name brands.、Mm. And therefore, when you've got rampant inflation running and people are looking to save up some money, and then if you can show me that the quality of your product is pretty good, if not. Better, but at least are pretty good, and、mm. the price is that much cheaper. Then no wonder people are are flocking to it. But also, you know, brand recognition and brand building, like Huang Shan, you mentioned earlier, that is crucial here as well. Because I still remember in the 1990s,、um, all these like TV shows or you know. Snippets of pop culture showed that well, buying the store brand was was considered as something people might be a little bit embarrassed to do. I remember when I was living in the UK. Okay, this is UK, not the US. Slightly different, but the story is similar. I remember going to、um, the supermarket, and、um, that particular retailer had its own line of biscuits, and it's got its store name printed on it. And guess where it's shelved? At the bottom shelf. Only little babies could. You know, without kneeling down, would get their hands on them. So it's even like tucked away in a store like that, showing, insinuating that it's not a popular brand, and it's usually it's not a popular product, and it's usually cheaper. And、um, yes, so you know, you look around a little bit before you 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 get the biscuits, and I did because no shame, you know, I was a poor student, so that's what <laughs> I could afford. And oh,、yeah. and, and a funny.、Um, Uh, not haha.、Um, episode about that.、Um, once one of my British friends gave me this.、Uh, he said, "Oh, I went back to the UK and I'm giving you a little souvenir." I was like, "Oh, thank you so much!" And then he pulled out this bag of biscuits of store brand <laughs> to me. I was like, "Wow, what a cheapskate!" But I did not say anything, obviously. And、um, it's very nice. Whoever gives you a present, you should be happy about. But yeah, that was the impression. Until now, in 2023, that's all changed, and it's it's kind of、um, interesting to see how this、um, similar business practice, but it's shown in different ways in different markets, and、um, it's proven to be a pretty good business opportunity for those who can sort of sense this change that's going on in the market and be able to capitalize on that, and. 
The reality is that the evolution of white labels, store brands, or retailer brands, however you call it, has been tremendous in recent years. And, well, when you've got uh, economic and financial uncertainty happening, then it ha it makes these brands a staple of shopping carts, and retailers have been betting on them more and more. We'll be back after this break. Discussion keeps the world turning. This is Roundtable. You're listening to Roundtable with myself, He Yang. I'm joined by Huang Shen and Ding Hong in the studio. Now I feel bad. I shared that little story, a little bit, you know, too much to share on the show <laughs> about, you know... Somebody who was so nice to even, you know, think of giving me a little present, and um, I just outed him like that. But I didn't say his name, so it, it yeah. should be okay. Oh, uh, okay, I'll put that past you, and let's just enjoy the show, the rest of the show, okay? Coming up, is starting a business with your parents a good idea? Family businesses are nothing new. So how is it different this time? And fear is generally regarded as an unpleasant and negative emotion that we tend to avoid. But why is it that from horror movies to haunted houses in amusement parks, people pay to feel scared? Our podcast listeners can find us at Roundtable China on Apple Podcasts. If you have not subscribed to this pod, it's not too late to do so. Just look up Roundtable China on the platform of your choice. And keep sending us your voice questions and comments to EZFMRoundtable at foxmail.com. Emails are fine, but voice memos are even better. And it'd be great to include your name, the province or a region you live in, so that we know a little bit more about you as we answer your questions. And now our Roundtable... Oh, yes. And before we go on to the next topic, Ding Hong, Hi. you haven't been on the show as frequently as we would like it to be. Um, but however, we do have listeners wondering, where's Ding Hong when he's not on Roundtable? So oh. tell us, please. Okay. Very briefly. Thank you. Thank you very much for the opportunity. Yeah, I when I am not on the show here, you can uh, listen to me and my colleagues on another show or another podcast called World Today. Mm -hmm. It is on air between 7 to 8 p.m. Beijing Monday time. to Friday. Beijing time. Yeah. Thank yes. you very much. That's fantastic. And you can look up World Today on any podcast platform that you are comfortable with. Yes. So that's where to find Ding Hong. And now let's uh, continue today's discussion. While it is customary to look towards big companies for employment, more young people in China are starting their own businesses. Being your own boss is somewhat more appealing. There is an interesting caveat. Sometimes the parents are both their angel investors and employees. And that's the part that I do not get. If He Young is investing money into a project, and if it's a large, a handsome amount, then I am the boss. I'm and, and the parents are still the employees. Okay, guys, just clear this up for me. Why are more young people operating businesses with parents? What's going on right now? Yeah, this is we got a story from a report uh, released by Holan Research Institute, which is under 36kr.com. So you know that many young people, if we call them young entrepreneurs, they started their businesses with intense family involvement. Uh, from one really re <laughs> realistic point of view, right. for these young people, although they are very ambitious, they have a great plan for what they would like to do where's the money coming from yes uh your first reaction would be if your family con financial condition is pretty good mm. very affluent um your first in instinct would be can i borrow some money from my parents and these angel investors would trust you regardless <laughs> you don't need to provide a very comprehensive proposal or give them a very detailed turnover or the wow the budget or oh. everything how much you can make in a period of time they will give you the money if they're very supportive and if they have the condition uh, so i think for many young people uh, they would like to try whether they can uh, transform their 
uh, desire that will transfer their visions into、mm-hmm. a real project or a small business. I think one example is very interesting because this person whose name is Chen Hao, this young man started a vintage fashion store、mm-hmm. and created his own vintage brand when he was only 19 years old and still a junior university university student in Hangzhou.、Mm-hmm. But he also mentioned in an interview that he has been. Influenced and inspired by his mom because his mom used to own a very little、uh, clothing store in the city. And after his mom retired, he would like to hire his mom back to this business because he knows that his mom, although is entering retirement age, but she's still very very passionate about what she has been doing for decades. And the mom is his. Uh, sponsor, which means the mom <laughs> offered the initial capital. So why not? It works for both of them because the guy、uh, would like to expand his、uh, vintage stores, and、uh, he definitely short-staffed. And his mom is a perfect candidate for running the business for him. Well, so yeah, so actually, that particular story cited by Huang Shan just now reminds me of. Another purpose of this kind of hiring your parents to, to to help you run your 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 personal businesses. I think sometimes it's about reinvent family businesses, right?、Mm-hmm. As I have、uh, read from another story, in the case of a girl surnamed Yao,、uh, her family has been running a tea manufacturing business in Yunnan Province for three generations.、Mm-hmm. That's a long period. So. Basically, she wants to kind of、uh, rejuvenate family tea business、yeah. by starting her own tea brand and running her own tea house together with her mother. So inspiring and、uh, loving, but but at the same time, you know, there can be headaches as well. <laughs> yes, let's get into the abundance of headaches in a second. But what I find is most possibly new to this phenomenon right now is. If you're starting a business and you're getting your parents involved, and so therefore there's nothing you, on paper, inherent, inherit from your parents. Because if it's a multi generation family business, then yes, there's the legacy issue, right? And how do you、um, revamp your business for the contemporary? Um, customers and and maybe there's baggage, or like family feud or whatever it is that you need to sort of smooth over or sort out before moving on. Or maybe there is this solid business there that you can build upon, but it's a little bit different this time because it's starting your business and getting your parents involved. And and I still. Um, kind of have this intent of doing a smirky. <laughs> let's just say laughter. Um, because、uh-huh. hiring your parents, if they gave you the startup capital and then you hire, what you give your parents a monthly income after they gave you a whole bunch of seed money <laughs> to start the business. Okay, maybe I should be more serious about this because people are serious about their businesses, most possibly.、Um, why do you think that it is okay taking the matter into your own hands and、um, in- instead of waiting around? I think another example is that sometimes the young people they're trying to uh, use uh, their personal knowledge and up-to-date marketing skills to help parents and fellow、uh, people maybe in villages. And a very great example is like、uh, some young people after they graduated from universities in bigger cities, they would like to go back to their hometowns and trying to revitalize and trying to revive the local. Businesses,、uh, some of them would trying to、uh, jump on that bat wagon of、uh, e-commerce. So if this person just happened to own a farm in his or her 
family, then this person can use live e-commerce、uh, platforms trying to、uh, promote the local produce because、uh, this is a very great opportunity. You can build that platform and trying to directly sell your homegrown produce to people elsewhere. And in this way, you can use your forte as well as your digital intelligence to help、uh, the family、mm-hmm. uh, to uh, digitalize their business opportunity. And because for many people, maybe the parents won't really offer them the startup capital.、Uh, if the kids, I mean the young people, entrepreneurs, they are. Competent enough, and they are very capable of running a business. They may start the business by themselves, and then when they would like to gradually expand the business size or trying to open more、uh, franchise stores, they would like to hire their parents come to help. There's another scenario like that. They're、yeah. really competent, you know. Yeah. If if the story goes. If the company goes really, really well,、um, what are the possible headaches then that could could arise? And the first thing comes to mind when, well, you know, when you're well with Chinese people,、um, mm-hmm. intergeneration relationships can be. Can be really complicated because we also have this idea that we're supposed to be filial,、uh, okay, filial piety. You know,、yeah. you're supposed to, you know, honor your parents, and and、um, and a lot of that stuff、um, depends on the family dynamic. Sometimes, you know, there are families which are quite happy and have a really healthy、um, parent-child relationship or whatnot. But in other situations, and There are a lot of these situations that people feel that somehow you know this idea of honoring your parents could be like shackles or like you know this huge burden that they carry. And especially if you're working intimately, it's if if your parents are only giving you the money. Thank you, parents.、Um, that's one thing. But if they're also working with you, there's and and parents can be very opinionated, and 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 God bless them because you know that's probably. I mean that's okay, you know. But、yeah. if you're working closely to with each other, and also you know, parents always want somehow Chinese parents always want kids to get up early, for example. And it's like you didn't open your business until what ten o'clock? Where have you been? You haven't been taking your business seriously. I put money in this or whatnot. So <laughs> I mean, there are a million scenarios that you could be told off by your parents. And if it was any other scenario or setting at home, sure, fine, why not? But now this business. The serious matter. This is what we do for our livelihoods, and then mixing this relationship, it just sounds like a recipe of disaster, as it could be. What do you think, Ding Hong? Yeah, I echo very <laughs> much echo what you have、uh, elaborated. Yeah, I think uh, um, under many circumstances, family family business can be distracting, and rules might not be very respected in a very Good manner, yeah. Because one of the risks that you take in terms of hiring parents in your business is that they may break the rules that you have set for your, let's say, for your business, and think it is okay. It's possible that they might not be doing it in a conscious manner. Or they might do it knowing that since they are family, you are hundred percent unlikely to fire them, right? Because of their behavior. <laughs> so either way, they they can take advantage of this fact that they are not only employees but also members in your family. So that's. That that's one headache. For example, on Zhuhu.com, basically the Chinese equivalent of Quora,、mm-hmm. there is one post、uh, where a young entrepreneur who was running a family restaurant with his father, he basically shared a story regarding how he has been irritated and troubled by some of the behaviors of his father. Like some sometimes when. Even when it's not the dinner time or 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 supper time or or lunch time, and some of the restaurants employees are resting or doing nothing, that's normal, right? But、mm-hmm. her, her, his father still criticizes these these employees out of nowhere, and the the end result is that it's a、uh, it's a、uh, 
it results in a very frequent quitting of these employees, and that's a, I guess that's a operational and a financial headache for this、uh, entrepreneur. So <laughs> it's it's、uh, it's embarrassing and、uh, indeed nerve-wracking sometimes. Yes, it can be, and also what you're describing there is kind of like having too many chefs in the kitchen, and who do the employees answer to? Is it to、yeah. your vision or to your parents' vision? And in theory, it should be your vision, but your parents are your parents, and they tell you what to do at home. What if they do that as well at work? And also with them being your angel investors, and if it weren't for them being your parents, like look, just look at how startup entre- entrepreneurs treat their angel investors. It's you know swooning over them and、yeah. you know pleasing your investors and bending you know behind、uh, bending right over just so that they can give you the money so you can start your business and that's usually how it works. So, but I suppose here maybe the、um, the options one could be weighing against is that looking for a job can be very difficult too. Right, yeah, and、um, and if you have a little bit of you know startup capital at home, and sometimes it could be like、um, one of the examples that you guys cited earlier on was like thirty thousand yuan could help start thirty、uh, thousand. Yes, yes, yeah, so much. Yes, yes. So it's not. Like a huge amount of money, but it could help your child fund his or her dream, and also get this person somewhere to be. Because, <laughs> yeah, finding a job isn't always easy either. So, so yeah, there's this interesting sort of、um, decision going on, and there's the, another、yeah. possibility. Oh, what is it? Because I feel like our earlier discussion、uh, has been based on the fact that the entrepreneur, him or herself. Is very very professional, very very responsible,、mm-hmm. and has a big plan in hand, with,、uh, with you know amazing amount of actions. But there's another possibility that、okay. this entrepreneur is full of visions、uh-huh. but no action. Oh no! So usually, <laughs> if the parents are super hardworking as well as successful, or just have a great and strong work ethic, this possibility is that. The young entrepreneur slash CEO will ditch everything, all the hard works to the angel investors. So the angel investors <laughs> will cover for everything from the initial investment and then how to run the business. They may even bring in their own connections into the business operation,、mm-hmm. and they will be the salespeople.、Uh, they will take care of the service, customer service. They will in charge of everything, and the so-called Entrepreneur will do whatever they want without worrying about how much penny I can take in with a day's business. So this is another scenario. Yes, and that's well, not not so positive for the business, but it's really interesting to see like what、uh, families do, or you know that this parent-child, also grown-up child,、uh, dynamic can pan out and. I've been looking for some examples of how this could work, and there are a couple of examples that I managed to find. One is Vera Wang, you know that、uh, famous、uh, U.S. designer of、uh, Chinese descent, like with four million U.S. dollars of investment from her father,、mm. she formed. The bridal house, as she did, and it's now expanded into a、um, very Famous、uh, designer brand on of of its own, and also with the very many、um, Italian fashion family、uh, businesses that you can think of the names of. They're usually they usually started off as a family business, and in recent years, though. Uh, the combination of luxuries globalization, though, has led many of these family-owned companies to sell ownership stakes to conglomerates or become publicly listed entities to survive, and that kind of blurs the lines among, you know, the、uh, creative disciplines as well as how the family narrative was carried out. So, 
we're seeing that, you know, these things, they, they, they do change and um, uh, maybe has something to do with the family culture in certain countries. Like, yeah. like in China, for example, parents are known to be very supportive of their kids. And we have a very close, traditionally, we, we have this very close, tight, knit family uh, relationship. And therefore, it's understandable, I think, if parents want to help out if they can. And if um, this is the easiest way to get some startup capital, but um, how to run the business, if this business can survive and thrive, that is a completely different story. And that has to stand the test of time and as well as the market. So we'll see what happens next. You're listening to Roundtable coming up. We do pay to feel scared. And why is that? Stay with us. Looking for passion? How about fiery debate? Want to hear about current events in China from different perspectives? Then tune in to Roundtable, where East meets West, and understanding is the goal. You're listening to Roundtable. I'm He Yang. I'm very happily joined by Ding Hung and Huang Shan in the studio. According to movie rating site, IMDb, the American horror movie Megan has raked in more than 170 million U.S. dollars, making it a box office darling of the year so far. From horror movies to haunted houses and amusement parks, bungee jumping to skydiving, why do people feel that strange feel or that strange sensation of Satisfaction while your heart is racing and palms sweating, and we pay for that stuff. So, <laughs> so yeah, what's going on? Can you tell or explain to us what is that feeling? Um, it varies from person to person. Um, Dr. Catherine Braun Lowe. A neuropsychiatrist at Ohio State University said that whether or not we see fear as entertainment varies because people are so different in temperament and experiences. So maybe just if we look at one particular horror movie, people may interpret it differently uh, with regard to your viewing experience. Mm. So for me, uh, to some extent, I think I'm a huge you know, horror movie fan, oh. but I like very specific directors. And one director I really appreciate is Jordan Peele. Mm. And the other one is James Wan. And, you know, with the movie you mentioned earlier, Megan, like, although he's not a director, not a screenwriter, but he provided story. So he's part mm. of the production. And for Jordan Peele, uh, in terms of his horror movie, I think one of the most famous one is Get Out. Mm. The other one, the recent one, is Nope. I think I mentioned the movie earlier. I think if you ask me why I would like to pay for the tickets of yes. horror movies. Why do you do that? One thing is that <laughs> I would like to support such indie directors mm. because both of the directors I mentioned, Jordan Peele or... Um, James Wan, they broke into the industry with low-budget horror films. Mm -hmm. Usually, it's a very fertile ground for such young and aspirational as well as a creative directors to shine, to thrive. So I would like to pay the movie ticket to support them. The other thing is that some of these horror movies, they are smarter than you think. They're not only uh, limited into one category. Sometimes they are horror comedy. Sometimes they are horror movie slash social commentary and just like uh, Jordan Peele's Get Out if you have watched it you will be impressed by uh, the elements of the film no matter the characters plot and settings I think the director has successfully weaved a complex montage of suspense and social commentary into one film and whenever you watch it you will get new inspirations because I remember one time I talked to our friend Nila, who can speak Swahili, mm -hmm. and I watched a movie with her one time, and she told me something I didn't pay attention to when I watched it for the first time. That is like the opening song. I I mean, actually, the the music, the lyrics are in Swahili, and it offers a hint that is like uh, could be translated into "brother, listen to the ancestors run. You need to run far." So this is. A, one of the hidden gems in this horror movie. That's why I love horror movies. Right. Well, what about you, Ding Hung? Um, do you scare easily? Are you a fan of horror films? Uh, <laughs> I 
I think I don't scary very easily, and I am not necessarily a diehard fan of horror movies or haunted houses. But I think I am、um, physically a fan of bungee jumping. I think、uh, there is a similar effect over there.、Mm-hmm. Um, I and、uh, I think from a scientific or neuroscientific point of view, a a, a very interesting observation from those、uh, neuroscientists is that. Um, by engaging in this kind of,、uh, or, or by paying for horror or fear, this is a great opportunity for individuals to learn about dealing with, you know, scary situations in a relatively safe environment. Because、mm-hmm. by pinning down what is causing us to feel fear or dread, we can have more control over our. Emotional state, and basically over time, by playing with this kind of fear or an anxiety, by coexistence with this kind of fear and ex- and anxiety, we could really、uh, implicitly learn some emotional regulation skills regarding how to feel because you are really expressing them and feeling them in a safe place. And I think there is really evidence regarding that.、Um, Regularly playing with fear can help when real threats does occur, because according to some researchers from、uh, a university in Denmark, basically what they found is that at the beginning of the COVID-19 pandemic, horror fans tend to be more psychologically resilient. That's pretty interesting. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting for sure, and that actually reminded me of what some.、Um, Twitter users were、um, spelling out、um, on the platform in the early stage of the pandemic, saying that reality is more of a horror show than some of the movies. And I mean that that would be quite the awakening moment for for some people. But certainly with horror films. Um, I can understand that you are feeling this strange sensation, and it's like your your heart is racing. And some people are in it for the thrill, and some people say that they feel alive. How did you usually feel that you need to seek that feeling in a horror film? I'm not making any accusations whatsoever, but. Yeah, some people have you know all these different kinds of demands, but you know at the end of the day, you're safe. So 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 that's a good feeling because if everything's like completely off the rails, then that's really scary. You don't want to live in a horror movie, but you like to watch one, and that is.、Um, That is an interesting feeling, but if I may share,、um, I'm not like that much of a horror movie fan, unlike、uh, Huang Shen, and she has impeccable taste when it comes to such things.、Um, I I would prefer maybe a thriller or like a suspense kind of movie that lingers on、huh. in your head a little bit. But I- I'm done with the blood uh, and and. Uh, goriness and、uh, and what else? Jump scares. Not really a big fan of those things. But suspense, I don't mind. Thank you so much, Ding Hong and Huang Shen, for joining the discussion. I'm He Yang. We'll see you next time. <laughs>